And uh, here we are on the 9th of January, 2022. Um, you know, every day that I'm alive is a day that I have the opportunity, if I choose to, to be secure in the love of God, the love that God has for me. Every day that I'm alive is an opportunity for me to live with hope. And every day that I'm alive is also a day closer to the day of my death. I'm going to die one day, and today I'm a day closer to the day that I'm going to die. Am I being morbid? No, I'm not. I'm just speaking the truth. Um, God is love, and God is for us. But the same is true for you, that God is love and God is for you, and every day that you're alive is a day for you to be secure in the love that God has for you, but every day that you're alive is also one day closer to the day that you will die. And when we do die, what happens? Do we just get buried in the ground or cremated? No, the, our spirit goes on and we will get to meet with our maker. We will get to see him face to face and we will face God. And, uh, you know, it's a wise person that lives each day aware that one day will be their last day and then they'll face God. That's a wise person. And so today I want us to look at um, something that, this is a message I was telling uh, someone last night, this is a message I've been wanting to preach for about 20 years. <laughs> and today's the day uh, that I want to share this message that's been on my heart for a little while. And I just thought, when's the right time and today's the day? So I, I hope you feel privileged. And I hope afterwards you go, gee, that was good. <laughs> Who knows? But um, one of the oldest guys that ever lived, uh, sorry, one of the oldest guys in the Bible from way back is a guy called Moses. And Moses wrote one of the oldest Psalms that's recorded for us in the Bible. It's Psalm chapter 90. And we're going to look at that a bit today. But Psalm 90 verse 12, Moses, this old guy, prays to God and he says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Moses wrote this about 3,500 years ago. And uh, he's basically saying, God, I need wisdom. And I want you to teach me to number my days, to be aware of the number of my days, but to be wise in the days that I have. Now, it's interesting because several years ago, there was this sociological study that was conducted amongst 50 people all of them are aged 95 or older. And they asked these 50 people who are aged 95 years or older this question. And the question was, if you could live your life all over again, what would you do differently? If, and there were lots and lots of responses to this question from all these people aged 95 and over. But there were three answers that constantly re-emerged and constantly came up. And uh, these elderly people said these three things. And I'll share them with you soon. But I want to ask you first, before we get to them, do you think that these 50 elderly people said this, if I could live my life all over again, I would save more money for retirement? 
You think that that's what they said. Well, that's not what they said. Even though last year in August 2021, there was a study done of Australians and Australians, one of their most, uh, one of their biggest regrets is that they haven't prioritised their financial health well. And uh, this study by the McCrindle Group said the number one financial regret is that they didn't prioritise their financial health earlier in life. In other words, what it's saying is that Australians tend to put off postpone, procrastinate on making good decisions about their financial health. And that's, but that's not what we're going today, and Sam's going to speak about that in a few weeks' time. But now, do you think maybe these 50-day-old people said, if I could live my life all over again, I would spend more time at work? No, no, no. We know that that's not... I've never met anyone who said, yeah, I wish I'd spent more time at work. Um, that wasn't the answer. Maybe their answer was, well, if I, had, if I could live my life all over again, I would be less forgiving of people's mistakes. I would become even more and more bitter than I really, really am now at the age of 95. No, that's not what they said. Let's have a look at what these, and because there's wisdom in what these elderly people said about what they would do differently. Here's what they said. If I could live my life all over again, I would reflect more, I would risk more, and I would do more things that would last after I had died. You think about this, this sociological study. 50 people over the age of 95, that's a lot of people. That's five, nearly five thousand years of life lived. Think about it. Five thousand years of life lived. Fifty people over the age of 95 said these things. This is, if I could live my life over again, I would reflect more, I would risk more, and I would do more things that would last after I had died. And these three answers reveal probably what is amongst uh, those elderly people, perhaps their greatest regrets. And I believe that if we make it to the age of 95, and some of us are close, and some of us have got a little bit further to go, I wonder if these three answers would be the three things that we might say uh, if we got to that year, if we got to that stage of life. And so what I believe is, as we begin 2022, I believe that we can learn a lot from these elderly people, and we can learn a lot from this old guy, Moses, who lived three and a half thousand years ago. And so what we're going to do right now is have a look at a psalm that this psalm that he wrote, Psalm 90. And as we look at this psalm, uh, we will see in this psalm that here's what Moses does. He reflects, he risks, and he does something and he prays a prayer that's about something lasting long after he has died. Let's have a look at it. Psalm 90, it's 17 verses. Let's have a look at this this morning. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger. We're terrified by your indignation. 
You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins are in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80, or if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. And then verse 17, he concludes this prayer by saying, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Wow, what an awesome prayer. What an awesome psalm. Three and a half thousand years ago written. And those truths, risking, reflecting, reflecting, risking, and doing stuff that lasts after we are dead, are all in that psalm. And uh, today what I want to invite us to in this brief time together as we look at that passage a little bit and look at some other Bible verses, I want us to put into practice, and I want to invite you to put into practice the wisdom from these elderly people. And so in 2022, let's be a people who reflect more on God. Moses did this in this psalm. He reflects on God. He reflects that God is a God of love. He, he reflects that God is the eternal God, the everlasting to everlasting, that God never, ever, 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 ever started and that God will never, ever, ever, ever end. Moses reflects that on, on who God is, that God is the eternal one, that he is the safe place. He is our dwelling place. He is the one in whom we have a home that is secure and protected and good. Moses reflects on God, on who he is. Moses also uh, reflects not just on who God is, but he also reflects on the frailty of life. And that's important. That we as human beings, we need to reflect on the frailty of life, that life is brief. It's just so quick. I have a nephew who grows grass, not weed, grass. He grows grass, or not weeds either, but he grows grass and he, you know, he provides grass for all the different people in their residentials. And Anyway, but here, do you know what the history of grass is? You ever wondered what the history of grass is? Here's the history of grass. Grass is sown, grown, mown, blown, and then it's gone. And the history of people is not too much different. We're born, we grow, we moan, we're grown, and then we're gone. And James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 4. He says, 
What is your life? You are but a mist that's there in the morning and by the afternoon it's gone. Our life is so brief. And the wise person considers the brevity of life, how short it is in the light of eternity, the everlasting to everlasting. Our life is just a small slither in eternity. The wise person considers that. We might live to 70. We might live to 80. Anything beyond that is pretty amazing, really. But there's something else that Moses reflects on in this passage in Psalm 90, and we don't talk a lot about this these days, but it's God being angry. (laughs) I mean, God is a holy God. God is love. God is holy. But God is angry with our sin. He's angry with when we miss the mark, when we miss the mark of his standard, when when we grieve his heart by making choices that are selfish and not honouring to him. There's this anger of God. And so what what we've got to recognise, God is love. Yes, that's who he is. But God is also described as holy. That means he's pure and perfect. And in him there is no sin. And that's why there's this barrier often between us and God. And that's why Jesus came, to bridge the gap, so that we could be forgiven and that we could be declared by God as being okay and right in his presence. But God, um, today what I want us to invite us to is to reflect. You know, there's another word in the Bible called repent. And repent is often a word that, what, it, what repent means, it means to change our mind, to change our mind about life and about God and to change to turn to God. That's what repent means. And and it's interesting that these elderly people, when they ask this question, what would you do? They would reflect more. They would consider more. They would reflect more. Reflect more on their decisions. Reflect more on their actions. Reflect more before they made a decision because they wanted to think about the implications of that decision. But I want to invite us today in 2022 to reflect more on God. How do you do that? How do you do that? Peter mentioned it when we did that little interview then of what he did when he was 15 years old, and he doesn't just do it when he's 15 years old, but taking time out to open this book and read it. And, you know, if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible yet, I want to invite you to, to take up a habit of reading the Bible regularly. There's a couple of ways you could do that. You, if you've got a phone, you could get a version Bible app or you could read the Old Testament or you could read a chapter a day starting with maybe Matthew and just read a chapter a day and work your way through it. Um, our family, we're doing the Bible in a year and that's we're not reading the whole Bible in a year but we're reading snippets of the Bible throughout the whole Bible for the whole year, a daily devotion. And just allowing yourself 15 minutes a day, making, taking a special, you know, do it, finding a special place where you can just spend 15 minutes even a day with God in his word, listening to what he's saying to you. That's a wise thing to do. There are other things that we can do to reflect on God. One of them is the importance of rest getting our rhythms for life right. You know, 
I've tended to live a lot of my life um, like this. Work, 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 work. <sighs> now I can have a rest. And a lot of people live their life like that. Work, 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 work. <sighs> now I can have a rest. But that's not how we are meant to live. It's interesting when God created the world, you know, he created the world in six days and then he rested. But do you realize that before he started creating the world, he existed for everlasting? And so God for everlasting since the, to the day of creation, what was God doing? Resting. Resting. We are designed as human beings as part of being made in God's image. We are made to work from our rest, not to rest from our work. And what I'm saying by that is it's important that we get refreshed and rested before we go to work. Does that make sense? You can see the difference? And it's really important that, we, that, that our work is done out of a place of refreshment and rest and rejuvenation. That, that we still then will need at the end of the week. So I just want to invite us to maybe put into practice some weekly rhythms. You know, you're here today, you're putting into practice a good weekly rhythm to come to worship, be a part of God's people. Let's reflect more on God. The second thing is that I want to invite us this year to, re, to risk more for Jesus. The el these elderly people said that they would risk more. And so I want to give two examples of people in the Bible who risked more. Um, and the first, of the, because here's what a wise person does. A wise person, when they're looking at a risk, what they do is they consider the cost of the risk. And, you know, there's all sorts of risk assessments these days. And people have to make risk assessments about holidays these days or risk assessments about all kinds of things. But a wise person considers the risk, and they count the cost of the risk, but they also count the benefits of and the gains of taking that risk. Does that make sense? You look at the, you look at the costs, you look at the benefits. And Moses did just that. Um, Mo Moses was an interesting character. The guy that wrote this psalm, I mean, he was born 3,500 years ago. He was born a Hebrew in Egypt. His people at the time were slaves. Uh, the, the people that he belonged to, the Hebrew people were slaves. They were forced by the Egyptian kings, the pharaohs, the ones that everyone builds pyramids for. He was forced, uh, and his people were forced to make bricks without straw. Moses was born, and at the time that Moses was born, the king did something a bit like Herod did in around the time of Jesus. The king said, there's too many of these people, we need to order that they be thrown into the Nile River. And so all the baby boys in, born from the Hebrews were thrown into the Nile River. But Moses was put in the Nile River as well, but in a little basket. And the king's daughter came and uh, she went for a swim or went, went to have a bath and, and found Moses. And this, this king's daughter adopted Moses into her family. And so Moses grew up as the king's daughter's son, adopted son, almost like the, the Pharaoh's grandson. And Moses grew up in Egypt. 
he had at his disposal all of the wealth of Egypt, all of the riches, all of the treasures, all of the pleasures of Egypt. But let's listen to the risks that Moses took. Let's have a look. It's, this is amazing. This is, if, if you want something that will build your faith today, I think you'll find it in these few verses. Look at this. In Hebrews 11, it says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a big call. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than in to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Now, in that verse just there that's going to stay on the screen, Moses does four things. These are four acts of faith. These are four risks that he takes for God, for Jesus. First, refusing to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's he doing? He's denying the authority and the power of his, not his birthright, but of the privileges that he could have had as a son of Egypt. That's a powerful thing to do. Um, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. You see, I, I want to, let's rubber hit the road this. Let's make this rubber hit the road. Here's the thing. In our society today, when the opportunity comes up for you to be part of the crowd or to be part of, to be mistreated, which do you choose? Because the tendency in us, especially when we're younger and a little bit less secure about ourselves and our own identity, the tendency is, let's just join in with the crowd. But Moses, no, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God people. And I'd invite you in 2022 to be ready to take the risks when the tough stuff comes your way and you are challenged to make a stand, make the stand for Jesus do what, even if you do get mistreated, be ready for it. Does that make sense? What else does he do? He regards disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. He values Christ and the eternal things more. Um, it's, it's fascinating that um, Moses, Moses was a man of faith. And the reason that he's written about in Hebrews 11 is so that we might be inspired and that we might be encouraged to be people of faith and to be people who take risks. Moses looked at the fleeting pleasures of sin. I think that's an interesting phrase, the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, sin has pleasure, but it's fleeting. It doesn't last. It doesn't give satisfaction. And Moses chose against that. So the second example is Jesus. And I want us to look at the words of Jesus because Jesus uh, says this. I love the context of this. This is amazing. Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples one day and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must do three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
What good is it for someone if they gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What do you need to do in 2022 to take more risks for Jesus? In what ways do you need to deny yourself? In what ways in 2022 do you need to take up your cross? And what does, what does that mean? Does that mean you just have to be willing to give your life? No, it means that you need to be able to embrace sacrifice. That's what it means. Now, sacrifice is not something that's talked about much in society. What is talked about is comfort. Comfort's talked about, and let's do everything we can to comfort ourselves. But Jesus says, no, it's not about comfort. It's about embracing sacrifice. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and, the, and the greatest risk that anyone can, can, can ever take is to not do what Jesus says. Because Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life away for me and for the cause of the gospel, you will have life. You'll save it. It's, this is fascinating. Now, what does this mean? This means that in your own personal decisions, you need to, if, th th this is the grid for decision making. Is this denying self, embracing sacrifice, following Jesus? That's a good grid for decision making. And uh, I would invite you in 2022, so that in, when you do hit the age of 95, if you get to 95, that you can look back on this day in 2022 and say, you know what, I made some decisions from this day forward that I don't regret. I don't regret. I took more risks for Jesus. The third thing, and to wrap this up, that these elderly people said is that they would do more things that would last after they died. So I want to invite us as a people in 2022 to leave a legacy and to do in 2022 more things that will last into eternity. Because this life is not all there is. This time next year, there'll be a bunch of people in this world who will not be living. They're living now, but they won't be alive on this earth in a year's time. And when Moses prayed this prayer in Psalm 90, verse 17, he says this, he, the, the last verse of that psalm said this, he, um, may the favour of God rest on us, establish the work of our hands. What does the word establish mean? It means to make permanent. Make permanent. And what Moses is asking God, could you make permanent the work of of my hands. In other words, I want it to last. Moses is saying, God, whatever I put my hand to, I want it to last, not just in this life, but into eternity. And, and in Moses' case, God answered his prayer because he lived following the invisible God. He lived wanting to impact eternity. I think it's interesting that Jesus, Jesus actually said that our actions here on earth impact eternity. I mean, why else would Jesus say, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth? Why else would Jesus say to the rich man, you know, 
go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Why else would Jesus say to the guy on the cross beside him, when the guy says, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom, and Jesus says to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, the, the, the reason is, you know, we don't get saved. We're not rescued. We're not saved. We're not okay with God by living a good life or by doing good things or by trying to make it on our own. That doesn't save us. God alone saves us through Jesus and his death on the cross. But we are saved by grace, but we are also saved to do good works. And part of that good works is to do stuff that's going to last and that's going to last into eternity. Why else would Jesus tell so many stories where there was a reward in it for those who were faithful and wise? You know, Matthew 25, there's a bunch of stuff where Jesus talks about that our actions here on this earth echo in eternity. That's, that's amazing to me, that us more mortals can be involved in eternity-building projects. That's amazing to me. And so I want to invite us, what is the one thing that does last? What is the one thing that does last? And I'll tell you what it is. It's people putting their trust in Jesus and living with him for eternity. That is the one thing out of, I mean, there's lots of other things that last, but that is the biggest thing that lasts into eternity apart from God and Jesus and all that stuff. And so what I want us to turn to is the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. And I pray that this might be a passage that you remember and learn, and let's put it into practice. It says this, Matthew 28, and we'll finish with this. Jesus came to his disciples, this is after he'd risen again, and he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm the boss. I love you. I died for you. I rescued you. But I'm the boss. Go. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them, I'm with you. That's it. And these are the last words of Jesus. And what I want to invite you to do right now is to consider, and I'm going to give us a little bit of reflection time before we even have communion. And I want to ask a very important question. Who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Who are you discipling? Who can you impact with the teaching of Jesus? Who are your few? Who are, who are your neighbours that you're building into? Who are the people that you're building relationship with? Who are, you in, who are you connecting with? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you 
teaching. Who are you going to baptize in 2022? Who are you going to teach in 2022? Who? We don't, you might not know who they are, but I want to invite you to consider your few. Who will you invest in? Because here's, here's, here's the truth. We want to live forever, don't we? And we want, we, want to, we want to live forever, and we will with Jesus by putting our trust in him. But we also want the work of our hands. We also want that what we do, we want it to matter. We want it to last. We don't want it just to frizzle. So I want to invite you, who are your few? I'm just going to give a moment of quietness, and maybe for you just to pray to God, God, who are you wanting me to invest in in 2022? Who can I intentionally build into, encourage, support, disciple? I'll just give you a moment to think about that. And as you reflect on that, I, I, I do want to call us as a congregation. Will you reflect more on God in 2022? What is the one thing you can do to do that? Will you risk more for Jesus this year? And will you invest in people and build and, lead a, and leave a legacy that lasts after you have died? Let's pray as we prepare our hearts for communion.